Welcome to the Street Photography Magazine podcast, priceless inspiration and advice for street photographers everywhere. Hello again, and welcome to episode 43 of the Street Photography Magazine podcast. I'm your host, Bob Patterson, publisher of Street Photography Magazine. This is the place for inspiration and advice by street photographers for street photographers. And forgive me if I sound a little tired and maybe a little hoarse. Normally I record these earlier in the day, but today I'm recording it late in the evening because I'm doing it well in advance because I'm getting ready to leave town tomorrow. So I want to make sure we have this ready to go and it publishes on time on Thursday, November 15th. And here's a quick reminder about our Facebook page. It's still small and it's very active with some very talented and passionate street photographers who like to help each other out. So please check it out. You can join by visiting talkstreetphotography.com and that link will take you right to the join page. Now, if you tried to join over the last two weeks, please accept my apologies for any delays. I didn't realize it, but I was logged in as myself instead of as the group administrator, which means I didn't see join requests. And it's funny because I was getting worried that nobody had joined in two weeks and I couldn't figure out what was going on. Turns out it was just user error. I should have known better. And another reminder that I'll be speaking at the Miami Street Photography Festival on Friday, December 7th. And the subject is, leave your photographic legacy in a digital world. Now, I don't know what time I'm going to speak yet, but when I know, I'll share it with you when I have it. And if you plan to attend the festival, please look me up. I'd love to meet you in person. Now, this is going to be my first time there, but I hear it's one of the best festivals of the year. And this year, it's going to be held from December 6th through December 10th at the History Miami Museum in downtown Miami. There's going to be many famous photographers there speaking. There's going to be some great workshops, particularly one by our friend Barry and X. Perello. So if you're going to be there, don't miss that. He's a wonderful teacher, so please be there. I'd just love to see you while you're in town. Our guest this week is someone you really need to get to know. Sean Augustson is a street photographer and artist from Columbus, Ohio. After serving his country in Iraq for two years, he returned home with a seriously injured back and post-traumatic stress disorder, PTSD. I can't even imagine what he went through, but it was really rough. As part of his treatment, he took part in an art therapy program where he learned that he had a natural talent for painting. When a therapist recommended he try photography, he began shooting on the street, and over time, it helped him reduce the stress and anxiety to the point that he is almost completely off medication. Today, he's a successful artist with many gallery showings under his belt. He's an avid street photographer, and he helps other vets use photography and art to deal with their own PTSD. After you listen to the podcast, be sure to watch the video that's embedded in the podcast post on our website to learn more about Sean and his work, and you even get to see him at work on the street. It's an inspiring story, so don't miss it. So sit back and have a listen to my conversation with Sean Augustson. Today I'm with Sean Augustson, and he is from the Columbus, Ohio area. So I'm, I'm real glad to have a fellow Buckeye on here because we don't talk to many street photographers from Ohio. So uh, Sean is with us. I uh, 
Ran into him just a couple of weeks ago when I saw a video about him, which we're going to uh, we'll definitely include a link um, in the uh, in the article, so you can see it for yourself. So, Sean, welcome. Thank you. Thank you for having me. Oh yeah, glad to have you. Glad to have you. Uh, the the video that uh, those guys did on you was just excellent. I think it you know tells a great story and had had some excellent street photos in it as well. Like I said, he's from the Columbus, Ohio area. He does tons of street photography. And Sean is also a very accomplished painter. We're going to show some of his paintings as well. I think you're really going to like him. He's also a, a veteran from the Iraq War. And he suffered from uh, PTSD and uh, uses street photography as a way to deal with that. And the video that uh, we're going to include tells a lot of that story. So hopefully Sean can talk about some of that. So Sean... Why don't you just give us a little background about yourself, how you got into street photography, how you became an artist, and where it's taking you. Okay. Um, so I, I served in the U.S. Army, was in Iraq, deployed to Iraq 2004 to 2006. And when I came home, I was diagnosed with PTSD and anxiety, um, among other complications. And... I guess what started me off with the street photography was more of a therapy aspect. I had a friend that um, does photography, and he felt like it was something that that would interest me. I had been already painting, started painting, teaching myself to paint, and he thought that um, photography would be something that would also help me. So it didn't take at first. Um, I was kind of like, I don't want to do photography. <laughs> And I would just use my cell phone, basically, take photos here and there. But what really started it was I went to a special um, veteran-only art therapy program in Chicago. And I was through an organization called Creative Vets. Well, while you're there, you're introduced to painting, drawing, ceramics, photography, just to kind of give you a little bit of all forms of art for you to discover and see which would be best for you. Well, during the photography um, day, our assignment was to do a self-portrait, but he didn't want you to just turn the camera around and take a selfie. So my thought was, I'm not really interested in this. I'm just going to go over to the big reflective bean and take a reflection, uh, a photo of my reflection, and call it a day. However, I didn't realize that that was such a touristy area, and so quickly my anxiety was on the rise, and I was just about to bolt, and probably, I'd say, two arms lengths away from me was a couple, and they had their um, cell phone angled at the bean, and they were just about to kiss, and I snapped a photo of them. <laughs> then when I stepped back, I kind of took a look at it, and I was like, wow, I captured this like very special moment, and they didn't even realize it. And it made me think that maybe people aren't really looking at me like I think they are in my head. And so I was curious to see, you know, could I do this again? So I walked around, you know, instead of leaving like I normally would, I walked around and looked for other people that I could photograph. And I did this for um, quite a while. And 
at one point I, I looked up into the reflection and I was in underneath the bean in the center of a huge crowd. And I was just like, wow, I have not been in a crowd like this in a long time. And, you know, just reflecting on that, I was like, wow, this really had me focus. Like for this time period while I was taking these photos, all this stuff that's going on in my head was like pushed back. The Taking the photos um, occupied that, um, I don't even know how to explain it, but it just, mm-hmm. it, it really focused me and and I was you know, I just realized, wow, there is something to this that that is helping me or that can help me. Because it caused you to actually focus on something, to to block everything else out from from your consciousness, basically? Correct. Like it it, it gave me like I like to call it missions. <laughs> it mm-hmm. gave me a new mission and um Instead of worrying about everything that was going on in my mind, it gave me like something new to focus on and and allowed me to to stay there. I mean, normally I would have just bolted and took off and not enjoyed um, where it was that I was at. But this allowed me to stay there. So that was basically your tipping point to get you moving forward in street photography is that true that's true you know i think most of us don't even you know i think many of us have that but don't even realize it you know i think you're lucky that you realized it and understood what it was yeah it was when i stepped back and you know later like being on my computer and and looking at the images i was just like wow, this is really powerful. And so that had me want, want to um, keep doing it. And I realized how much it like, you know, could help me. You said something a few minutes ago when you were describing this that I think is really important to anybody who photographs on the street. You, you said they weren't looking at me the way I thought they were looking at me or the way I felt they were looking at me. I, I think that's really important. Because many of us, myself included, when we shoot on the street, we feel like everybody sees us. They see that camera in our hand and they're all paying attention to us, which makes you a little paranoid, a little self-conscious. And in truth, you saw that that's not true. No one's really paying attention to you 90% of the time. Everybody else is inwardly focused one way or another. You think that's true? Yeah, it's, uh, I'd say so. I I pretty much am on the streets every day and have my camera and do street photography. And um, I noticed that, that people are, are more into what it is that they have going on at the time and not what it is that I'm doing. You're in Columbus, too. It's not like you're in the middle of Times Square. Right. There's not as many people on the streets um, as opposed to New York City. Um, at any given time, I could take a photograph with no people or cars on the street. Yeah, I see that you shoot film a lot, uh, quite a lot. So tell us about shooting film. Do you shoot film more than digital, or do you not even shoot digital at all and do strictly film? Yeah, right now I'm just um, using film. 
I I kind of went about it in a, a reverse way. I started with an iPhone, then digital, and now film. Um, I just like the hands-on aspect of film. I like loading the camera. I like coming home and processing the film at home. I like um, developing prints in my darkroom that I set up. Just everything about the film I really like. And I think what initially started me with the film was when I thought back to as a kid when I saw a photojournalist the images that I had in my mind were uh, certain cameras and them using film and so um, when I started to explore I just liked those feelings and and the nostalgia of it yeah you know there's something about the the tactile aspect of film, yeah, actually feeling it, like you say, loading in the camera, taking it out, the smell of the chemicals. Of course, I haven't done it in quite a while. Film. We just moved, and I'm unpacking my stuff, and I found all this film I bought a couple of months ago. I said, time to get out the film camera and get started. And by the way, you don't just use a 35 millimeter, do you? I, uh, Sean has uh, joined our Facebook group. I saw that he he made a really nice portrait of a firefighter with uh, with a Roloflex. That's a medium format camera where you actually have to look down into it to uh, frame and focus. And what can you tell us about using that camera on the street? Um, what I like about, about it is um, the nostalgia aspect of it, but also I'm looking down, you know, to see the image and people that are around me don't really know if I'm looking at them or not. Um, so I, I, I kind of like that. And I, I just really like the medium format negative. <laughs> why, why is that? Just because it's the size or the fact that it's square? Yeah, it's, it, I, I like the, the size of it. Um, I like to keep my negatives, and they, they go into a nice baseball card holder. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Very nice. Uh, it's Smart. almost like collecting them. <laughs> yeah, I I think it's easier to keep track of negatives than it is images in Lightroom half the time. But yeah, with the Roloflex, I've had other people say that. They say when they're looking down that people on the street really don't pay attention to them because you know they're not lifting it up to their eye and pointing it in their face. Of course, if you have a camera, if you have a digital camera that that has a screen that flips up, you can do the same thing with that. Well, the nice thing about using a camera like that, that you have hold at waist level, unlike using an SLR where you're shooting from eye level most of the time, is you're, you're looking down and it's a much lower angle. So you're getting a different perspective. Is that why you use that camera? Yeah, that's, that's a good point, um, that idea. That's that's one of the things that appeals to me is the waist level and the different angles that I see. Um, it also has me get into different positions to to get a shot. Sometimes that gives it a different perspective. Now, for example, when you took the photo of the firefighter, I mean, was he posing for you, or was that a candid shot on the street? Yeah, so that's actually a funny story in itself is I was with a friend and we were outside in an abandoned building taking taking photos and the firemen got car- called to an alarm call there 
and they just like rolled up out of nowhere and I started taking pictures and uh, the fireman was coming out the door and I went in the door and was like, hold it <laughs> and like really? snapped a photo of him and, you know, through, you know, it's kind of a chaotic thing there for a few minutes. And then my friend, you know, when I step back out, my friend's like, you just stopped the fireman from doing his job. I'm like, oh, whoops. <laughs> I was like, yeah. I need that shot, though. <laughs> yeah, well, yeah, it's a, it was a good shot. Yeah, that's funny. I mean, these guys are running in and out trying to put out a fire and save <laughs> people, and you just stopped them. Well, you did. You got a good shot out of it. Yeah, it's m one of my um, all-time favorite photos that I've taken so far. You know, when you use that camera, I mean, it's not fast. I mean, it's manual focus. You have to set the exposure manually. Yeah. So you have to really know what you're doing. You have to know your camera well. You have to know, really understand what film you're using. And it must take several seconds to, to focus properly, especially through that glass. Yeah. Yeah, it's not, not easy to use all the time. and um, But I do get some, I guess, lucky shots here and there. <laughs> yeah, you can't spray and pray Yeah. That camera. So what else do you use? I saw in the video you were carrying a Leica. I have a Leica R7. I had a M4, uh, which was in the video, and I uh, traded that in and got the Leica R7 and then a um, Fuji GA645 medium format camera. I also have a Canon Canonet and a Minolta XG1. And then I have a bunch of little box cameras and um, a couple cameras from, like, I think the 40s that, like, fold out accordion stuff. Mm -hmm. So, yeah, quite a collection starting. Yeah, what film do you tend to use? For 120 film, I like to use Arista EDU, um, also Portra. Um, for 35 millimeter film, I like using Fomapan and um, Triax and T-Max. And you're processing everything by yourself, right? Yeah, everything I do at home, I do black and white as well as color and slide film. You're, you're doing color too? Yeah, I've been teaching myself everything. <laughs> That's quite a challenge, isn't it? Um, it's actually easier than I thought. When I first looked it up, like how to do everything, I was like, wow, I don't know if I can do this. But... Once I just started following the directions, I was like, wow, this isn't bad. And I actually have had like other um, photographers here in Columbus, you know, come over and teach them how to do it themselves as well. I mean, isn't it really temperature sensitive? Yeah, it has. Um, you have to keep the for color. You have to keep the temperature around 102. And what I've learned here at my house is I can fill the sink with straight hot water and put the bottles down in there for a little while. Then I check it with a thermometer. Then once the temperature is where it needs to be, it just stays there as long as it's in that bath and it's enough time for me to do like one to two rolls. Well, I used to. I haven't been doing it so much anymore. I make, uh, make wine at home, mm -hmm. which, I mean, isn't as temperature sensitive as uh, film, but... They make these little little stick-on thermometers that you put on the bottle. 
Yeah. Which is, do you use those? That's really handy. Now I have what, I guess it kind of looks like a meat thermometer. Uh-huh. It's like a metal pole that I stick down in there. But that's a good idea. I'll have to look at, look into that. Yeah, it's real handy, especially for ambient temperatures, because you know exactly what what it is and what uh, you know what the temperature of the uh, uh, contents are. But yeah, 102 degrees, you're not going to be keeping your house at that temperature. Right. I have found too, like you know, sometimes I'm a little too low, sometimes a little too high. But the when the film comes out, I'm like, oh, I, I kind of like it, <laughs> even though it's not, you know, it's not perfect. I kind of like that aspect of it. I assume there's an online community out there somewhere that's all about processing color film. Have you found that? I I haven't found found that yet. Um, I do go a lot to the film photography project, and they have um, different communities on Flickr, so I've kind of hung out around there a little bit. Yeah, I guess I should ask, what resources have you found that are helpful for somebody who wants to get back into film or wants to start in film? The biggest thing that I've found has been the Film Photography Project. They seem to have everything right there in one location that you can order. You can order um, kits to process black and white color slide film and they come with pretty good instructions and then i just followed the instructions and started well we'll definitely include that in the article for people who want to do it it's funny i mean i started in film and obviously I haven't used it a lot for quite a while and going back it's like relearning all over again yeah, I think if you want vintage, shoot vintage. <laughs> <laughs> That's a good point. You can point, you can mimic it, but still not quite the same. Yeah. So what have you learned from all this? What do you get out of it? Mostly it's, like I said, it's been therapy, but it's been fun therapy. Just to give you a little bit of a background, because I haven't been at this very long, but as far as like, like I used, you know what, uh, those, I think they're like called five gallon Ziploc bags. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So I used to take medication that filled that every day. Oh, oh wow. That, every day I would have to take that much, um, medication and I'm down to, um, just a couple medicines a day now. And I, I feel that that's a large part due to, um, doing this my my photography and my art so there's something powerful there for that i guess that's the biggest thing that i get out of this wow is you know it's that's a amazing healing journey yeah that's uh yeah that it, that's really amazing speaking of your art i mean beyond your photography i i i, I think your your paintings are amazing thank and you when did you discover you had this talent so I was hospitalized for my PTSD, and I was having difficulties expressing what was going on. And um, this is early on, you know. So let's see, I was in Iraq 2004 to 2006. So it was after that when I had came home, and so the doctors hadn't really seen a rise um, of 
veterans coming in yet with PTSD. So they're trying to understand. I'm trying to understand, but I was having uh, difficulties expressing what it was I was feeling, what was going on. And so I couldn't really talk to the doctors. They brought in an art therapist and she had me do a magazine collage. And then from that collage, I was able to sit with the doctor and explain what was going on as well as sit with my family and explain to them what was going on. So from that, I was like, you know, there's something, there's something here that that's important. And it didn't take like right away. I didn't just start painting and never look back. Um, I, when I came home, I did a lot, I isolated in the house a lot. And so I was like, well, I want to paint and see what I can do, but I didn't want to just paint like pictures of war and things like that to try to express myself. Um, so I started painting landscapes and I call, I call them pretty pictures. I basically, um, started painting places that I use or not use places that I wished I was at rather than being at home. Um, and so that, that's kind of where it started. Um, teaching myself how to paint, um, asking a lot of questions on Instagram with artists that um, I was following. So I guess that's how, how it started. So when you first started doing the landscapes, were they more realistic? Yeah, they were more realistic looking, um, traditional oil paint painting type landscapes. And then in time, that kind of progressed where I started to push myself further more to the express, like to express myself more. And so my paintings started to take on the form of like camouflage. And that's what I've been working on most recently is what I call camouflage landscapes. And it's taking those camouflage patterns from my military uniforms and creating a landscape with them. So when you're, Standing back, you know, you see the landscape, but as you get closer, you see that the shapes are actually made up of the camouflage pattern. Yeah, I, I would have called it like abstract right. to me. I mean, I, I don't know painting terminology, but I mean, you've got a very distinctive style. You guys who are listening to this, you you got to see his paintings because I think they're they're very compelling. Um, I like one in particular. You, had a, you have a, it's a painting of a camera, but it's just part of the camera. Uh, this is on your Instagram. Oh, uh, yeah. Yeah, it's just the top of the camera with the dials, and you can see the strap, and the strap is yellow. But it's just part of it. That's something that I think a lot of photographers need to do, is rather than try to capture the whole scene, but just select a little part of it and work with that. And you do that naturally through your paintings or at least in this one in particular. So let me ask you this. How has your ability to paint affected your photography and vice versa? I do think as far as light goes, mm -hmm. with the photography and the painting, I start to um, look at... So if I'm working on a painting, I'm thinking about 
some of my photographs and how the light is falling. And I think that helps me with my paintings. Um, when I'm looking, when I'm taking a photograph, I start to look at things more, more like that. Like, how is the light falling? How is this shadow going to be? Um, compositionally wise, how, how is this going to look when I develop this film and scan that image in? Um, I start looking at like the, the negative shapes, maybe sometimes, mm -hmm. um, people's legs walking. I notice the triangle, the shape of the triangles or circles or just different things within, in, in the frame of photo. Cause when you paint, you're completely in charge. You can put the light on the left, you can put the light on the right, the top, whatever. You can even create light that doesn't happen naturally. Right. If you want. When you photograph on the streets, you're in charge of very little. But I guess that awareness that you've gained through creating the paintings helps you look at the scene when you're making the photograph. Am I right about that? Yeah, I'd say that's... So I know a lot of photographers study painters. Who are your influences, either photographically or artistically? Since I'm pretty new to doing both, actually, um, I really like paintings by Van Gogh. And then for photography, um, what really inspired me was looking at the work of Vivian Meyer. Uh -huh. I was just like, wow, I can't believe this nanny just went out on the streets every day and as she walked the children carried her camera and captured such beautiful images. Yeah. The same kind of camera you're using. Yeah. <laughs> and she was probably eyelash away of being forgotten forever. Yeah. If it wasn't really for dumb luck. I think that's why it's so important that you share your work. Of course, it's a lot easier today to share your work than it was in the 1950s. Right. That's a, an interesting thing, too, is what, you know, I have these negatives and I save them. And then, you know, sometimes somebody will say, well, why would you take that picture? I'm like, because <laughs> I could. I, you know, I captured that moment. I was the only one who did it at that time. And I think, you know, like later on when my kids are older, you know, they'll look at this negative or this picture and be like, Oh wow, look at those cars. <laughs> yes, exactly. They're they're not particularly interesting today, but forty years from now they will be. Right. Now that brings up another question about your negatives. Are you scanning them too? I scan them. Um I scan them and then put them on my Instagram. And I don't do any editing. Other I guess sometimes I'll adjust the curves a little bit if it's like too dark maybe. But don't really edit them. I just scan them and then upload them. So a lot of them still, they'll have dust and scratches on them even. Yeah, what are you scanning with? It's a Canascan 9000F Mark II. Sounds fancy, but I think it's pretty common. <laughs> yeah, I'm just getting ready to unpack my scanner. I found photos I took back in the 1970s uh, when we were moving. I knew I had these. I've been looking for them for years, and they were turned out to be up in our attic that I couldn't even get to. I've got a scanner. I'm going to unpack it and scan them finally. Yeah. Yeah, I kind of wish um, 
I wish I was into photography when I was in Iraq and in the army with the different um, places I've been and, and stuff. So maybe get to go back sometime under different circumstances. Really? You'd go back there? Yeah, I think I would. Um, I would with a camera. I don't know if you know who Don Springer is. He publishes another magazine, Inspired Eye. He served in Vietnam, and he, he did photograph a lot. He had a Leica over there and uh, had some very interesting photos as a soldier and taking pictures around him. It's pretty interesting to see all that. Yeah. His website is streetshooter.net. He's in Philadelphia, and I've been going there a good bit now because my son lives up there, so someday i got to look him up. So what's next for you? What are you, what are you working on? Well, with, uh, with my um, photogra- photography, I'm actually work- trying to work on getting closer. I want to get more um, street portraits, and, and so that, I guess that's, that's something I'm working on right now is just getting more familiar with the cameras I have and um, working on getting closer to people. I've found that when someone does ask me, hey, did you just take my picture? I'm like, I did, and I would show it to you, but it's film. Yeah. <laughs> um, What's that? Yeah, they they um, are always curious as to, well, why did you take my picture? And then when I explain my story to them, they're just like, wow, I, f- I feel so honored that you chose me mm-hmm. to to be a part of this journey with you. So, yeah, I just I want to get more into closer to people and do more street portraits. I want to keep doing everything that I'm doing, but that's just an area that I want to work on. Yeah, that's uh that's a real good idea. Of course, you obviously have to engage with people when you do that. Right. Um, Randall Roberts, who I just spoke to a couple of weeks ago, he lives in the western Pennsylvania, and he's he started a project called Five Thousand Portraits, and it's a, he's challenged himself to take five thousand street portraits, and he even started a website where he publishes them, and. <laughs> Just pushing himself to do that, I think, has made a huge difference in his work. Yeah, I think um, there's definitely, like I notice, I'm not sure if I have the words to explain it, but when I do have that engagement with people where we've talked, mm-hmm. I generally like those photos a lot. Mm-hmm. There's more emotion in the picture or or something. There's just something there that's appealing to me. So when you do that, do you talk to them first and then take a photo a little bit later, or are you taking the photo first and then talk to them? Or yeah, who it's knows? been both ways. I mean, sometimes, I don't know, sometimes I see somebody and I'm like, oh, I, I want to take that picture, so I will stop them and ask, hey, can I take your portrait, which is usually like, why? <laughs> and then I start telling them my story, and they're like, yeah, definitely. And then there's been times where I've taken the the photo and they've, like I said, have asked me, did you just take my photo? And then, I, and then we have the talk then. You primarily shoot in Columbus, Ohio. Columbus is a big town, but like I said, it's not New York City. There's not a lot of street life downtown. It's business people going to work and coming home. You might have some activity, what, like in the short north area. I know nobody else knows where this is, but... There's not that much happening, 
as you would see like in a New York or Chicago or London or whatever. I mean, what are the challenges for shooting in a place like one, that? One challenge that I've noticed um, doing my street photography is like you said, you have people going to work and they're following the same path every day. And I'm out there following a path as well. And I start to recognize the people that I've already photographed. And I'm like, oh, I already got that person. <laughs> so I, I think that's a challenge sometimes. Um, of course, of course, you got that person on that day and not right, not the current day. Right. They could have been in a bad mood that first day and in a great mood today. It's yeah, completely I, different yeah, I, expression. I, I still have, I still, I get that. <laughs> So what parts of Columbus would you suggest somebody go to if they wanted to do street photography? I would recommend going down to High Street, which in high, from like High Street from the from Main Street and High Street and then walking all the way down to the short north. That's a good trek. Um usually have um different things going on with you know, people on the street, just, I guess that's where I would recommend. Yeah, I notice you don't have a lot of photos of college students. I think people in real life situations, going to work, hanging outside stores, whatever, it probably makes for more interesting photos, and that's what you capture. Yeah, I do. Um, I haven't been down on the campus area too much um, for the Ohio State University. But um, I do get a lot of people going to work, a lot of restaurants, um, especially in the short north. There's a lot of restaurants with nice glass windows that we tend to photograph. What I like is you prove that you can get a lot of good photographs in a Midwestern city and you don't have to be in New York or you don't have to be in London or whatever. There's, there's a lot of good photographic opportunities everywhere and you show that. Yeah, thank you. So I also see you have an art exhibit coming up this coming weekend. We're recording this on, what's this, the 18th of September. So, and you've done a lot of art exhibits. This one's called the All-Star All Star Event. Yeah, so I, that's the Art Invitational, and I'm going to be painting live on stage as the orchestra prays. Wow. Yeah, it's going to be interesting. No pressure. I've never done that before, um, but I was asked if I would do it, and I was like, sure, I'll give it a shot. So we'll see how that goes. <laughs> but I do have um, in the gallery right now as well, Fresh Air Gallery in downtown Columbus, from September 5th to November 9th, I have um, a solo art show. So all, all the work in the gallery is mine. So now the question is, how do you get shown? How do you break into a gallery? People ask me that all the time about their photography. Mm -hmm. I know nothing about the gallery business. How do you make that happen? So for me, I um, contacted the gallery and I showed them examples of my photographs and my paintings and um, basically told them my story of how and why and what I'm doing and it took about a year but they they um 
you know, contacted me and said, okay, we want to see more of your work, which was good because then I now had more of a body of work. And I sent more examples to them, and they set up set up this show for me. Yeah, that's pretty amazing. So you would it would have never happened had you not picked up the phone and called them. Yeah, well, it was actually an email. <laughs> oh, an email. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, you put yourself out there. You had to reach out. I reached out to them. Um, you know, I had heard of the gallery, and I thought, well, my art would be a good fit for this. So. Uh, reached out to them, and it went from there. So in order for them to be interested, you actually had to tell them a story? I mean, you had to tell them your story, basically. Yeah, I gave them my story and and examples of my work. I've been asking this question a lot. And uh, as a matter of fact, I'm doing a uh, presentation at the Miami Street Photography Festival about showing your work. And I've been talking to lots of photographers who are published, and I think every one of them says, you've got to go out and make it happen, which is exactly what you did. Yeah. Yeah. Well, that's great. Anything coming up with your photography? Are you going to be published anywhere? Are you in any uh, shows or festivals in the near future? Um, one of the things, this may be kind of goes back to what we were talking about earlier, but I do want to do a little more conceptual photography. In the current exhibit at the gallery, I have a um, series of photographs that are conceptual. So I have one for PTSD, one for anxiety, one for paranoia, one for bipolar, and one for depression. And I really like that series I did. It was basically all all the things that they say I am. <laughs> I I kind of have a photograph for each of those. Oh, that's very interesting. I'd like to see those. So the only place you can see those right now are in the gallery. Yeah, and I can I can send you some examples of my photographs and include those as well. I, I know everybody would like to see them. Sean, I got to thank you for taking the time. Please tell us where. Everybody can see more of your work, where they can learn more about you. You know, whether it's your website, Instagrams, just give us a rundown. Yeah, thank you. My um, Instagram is Film Photo Guy, and then my website is posttraumaticexpression.com, or you can get there from my name, which is seanaugeson.com. Yeah, my uh, painting Instagram is seanaugeson.paintings. Well, Sean, thanks. I appreciate you taking the time, and I hope to meet you in person one day next time I come through CBUS. Yeah, thank you for having me, and that would uh, be great. Maybe we could get out on the streets together and do some photos. Once again, this podcast is brought to you by Street Photography Magazine. It is the number one source for inspiration, education, and publication for street photographers everywhere. It's made by street photographers for street photographers. Street Photography Magazine is published once a month, plus a few bonus issues throughout the year. Each issue includes an interview with our featured photographer to discuss how they work and take a deep dive into some of their photos. It also includes photo projects and photo stories from photographers around the world to inspire you. And it's a place for you to publish your work to be recognized. 
For example, the Street Shooters of the Month section of the magazine. It features photos from members of our community, and many of our featured photographers have been selected from that group. So stop trying to go it alone and join the community. All of this for less than the price of a cup of coffee per month. Stop over and subscribe now at streetphotographymagazine.com slash subscribe.